What's doing, everybody? Today is Thursday, October 12th. A Hamas leader is calling for a global jihad to take place tomorrow. Many on the left are absolutely stunned by the amount of left-wing anti-Semitism that they are seeing. SEAL Team 6 is now on standby to go and rescue American hostages from Hamas. And Steve Scalise wins a Speaker of the House vote that took place behind closed doors. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to The Alec Lee Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for stopping by. If you're watching the broadcast live here on Rumble, Get down there, hit the share button. Let's get as many people into the broadcast here as possible. Always appreciate your support. I'm hitting you guys with the stories today, going to get you in and out. I did have a guest lined up for today, but everything that's going on, it was a member of Congress. uh, But with everything going on, the speaker vote yesterday and the whole bit, it had to get pushed to next week. So follow me on Twitter at Alec Lace or the app formerly known as Twitter, I should say, which is now X to find out exactly who that is. I will. I did reschedule it for next week. Uh, so you got just me today. I'm going to hit you with these stories. And don't forget to hit the follow button while you're down there. And if you missed out on Tuesday's episode with Sean Parnell, you got to go back and check it out. I had Sean Parnell here, and I also had Senator Rand Paul. We broke down. Um, Sean and I talked all about the Israel and Hamas uh, war. And Senator Rand Paul discussed a lot about his new book, talking about Fauci, the crook that he is, the snake in the grass that he is, uh, the deception that took place, his new book that's out. So if you missed it, go back and check it out. And the big reason why I did want to bring Sean on Tuesday is because You know, you see so many bloodthirsty people now, that reactionary spirit that we kind of have, you know, when you, I remember from 9-11, like when you see that your instinct is let's go get these bastards, let's go blow them off the face of the earth. And you have that instinct. And it's always, you know, the people talk that the most are the ones that are never going to do any of the fighting. And that that is why uh, it's important to talk to people who have been on the ground, who have been there and and know the, the wounds of battle. Uh, that are far too real for them, buried loved ones, buried teammates, the whole bit is so much more into it than just, uh, oh, let's just go get these guys, and somebody has to go do the getting. So always honored to have a chance to talk to heroes like that. So flip it back to Tuesday's episode. And now what's going to happen here on Friday, tomorrow, October 13th? I don't know, but this is what they're calling for. Here's the report. I'll put it up on the board. Hamas leader Khalid Mashel calls for a global jihad, an invasion of Israel, attack on Jews worldwide on October 13th. So what does this mean for us? Now, we don't know how many Hamas sympathizers are in the United States, how many have poured through our open southern border over the last few years. You know, how many could be here? The correct answer is nobody knows. We have we have zero clue. Uh, nor does the left seem to care whatsoever that these people are here. And meanwhile, while they are, there there has to be some here. Even if it's only 1% of the people who have come through the border, that's a lot of people. So we don't know where they are in this country and if they're going to take part in this global jihad that they're being called for. And you know what? I wouldn't say 
There's people, uh, you know, there are people on social media saying, you know, be careful what you do on Friday. If you don't use public transportation, if you're in a big city, uh, try not to fly that day. I would say not to let the terrorists win here and and dictate what you're going to do in your life. I would say make sure you're armed. Uh, which is another thing that Joe Biden is trying to take away from you. Now, imagine this, that we have people pouring through the border. There's a call for a global jihad and Biden is trying to take away your right to defend yourself. And why do we have that right to defend ourselves? Well, you know what? Israel is a country that does not have a Second Amendment, right? You do not have the right to bear arms in Israel, right? The civilians are not armed. So what are they doing right now? Well, here's the report. I'll put it up on the board from the Western Journal. Israel begins massively arming civilians, will hand out 10,000 rifles. Israel braces for a long war ahead. Its government will be arming its civilians. Wow. You know, it would be good to think to do that ahead of time, right? Like some countries in this world, like us that have the Second Amendment. That's why it's your right that they can't take it away from you. The, the Second Amendment doesn't give you the right to hold a gun. It gives you, it, it protects you from the government taking away your gun. That's why it's there. You have a God-given right to defend yourself, and that's why we have it. Meanwhile, Biden, these bozos on the left, are trying to take away your guns. Here I am, I'm in New Jersey here, where we're only allowed to have 10-round clips. So I, I better hope that, that the guy that, that's coming to invade New Jersey here in this jihad is abiding by the Jersey state laws and doesn't bring a big ma- magazine with him, you know, a 30-round clip because I'm going to be out of ammo, just like everybody else in this state. So they, they want to make sure you don't have too much ammunition to fight back. I wonder if the jihadists are going to abide by that rule, just like the gangsters, like the criminals that are attacking neighborhoods and murdering people. Are they abiding by the, uh, by the gun safety rules, right? I don't think so. But here you go. This is, if, you, if you have a question why it's important, these guns are not for hunting, right? Here's, here's Israel right there, back on the board. Israel begins massively arming civilians. There's a reason why our founding fathers have done that. So uh, now here we go. While this is going on, our border is wide open. Hamas is calling for a global jihad. What is Joe Biden doing? Well, yesterday he's in the Rose Garden and he's talking about uh, the, the junk fee free your junk fee protection act he's going to save you a couple of bucks on concert tickets and that's what he's talking about that's what he's concerned about yesterday what my friends in the front row here mostly support junk fee the junk fee pre, pre, junk fee prevention act hard to say don't you think some of his advisors would have been like hey joe Maybe it'd be a good idea if we put off this, uh, you know, this is an important thing that we're doing here. We're going to save American families money on their Taylor Swift tickets. But maybe we should kick this and punt it down a couple of weeks until things kind of simmer down between Israel, Hamas and everything else that's going on right now in the world. But no, there he was yesterday. But he did. He ended up speaking about. Uh, Israel yesterday. I'm going to play a clip of it, but just ahead of time, a warning for you. I think Joe Biden sounded weak, looked weak, walked away weak. He doesn't take questions. Uh, This is the leader of our country right here. He does not appear to be very strong. He doesn't seem to be uh, the, the type of leader that we need right now. I don't think these other countries around the world, especially the access, the evil access right here, Iran, China, Russia, I don't think they take this guy seriously whatsoever. But I do think that they're aware, just like we are, that he's not running the show at all. But here's a clip of Joe Biden uh, addressing what he uh, what had happened in Israel. I never really thought that I would see and have confirmed pictures of terrorists 
beheading children. I never thought I'd ever, anyway, I, uh, but there are countries in the region that are trying to be of some help, including Arab nations that are trying to be of some help. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, and it is horrific. When you're talking about the beheading of children, it is as barbaric as it gets, and it is very sad. And and it's uh, horrifying uh, that there are images of this that people had to walk in and see. Now, I might I may add to this that if you're unaware of what happens during abortion, right, particularly after 16 weeks gestation, late-term abortion, if you're unaware of what happens, they dismember the baby. When they do that, okay? So that's what they're doing. It's dismemberment. And so far this year, there's been 32,000 babies that have been dismembered because they were aborted after the 16-week mark. But we somehow don't seem to be grossed out by that. Somehow that doesn't seem to bother us. Somehow we just seem to think, oh, we can live with that. That's no big deal. These are babies in the womb that are being cut up and dismembered, having the life sucked out of them. And we're trying to, to normalize that. And they're calling you crazy if you have a problem with it. That's health care. That's health care. Babies out of the womb, they're decapitating them. And this is the most gruesome thing and most barbaric thing we could ever witness. Well, I would argue that it's just as barbaric to cut their heads off in the womb. Okay? So that aggravates me as well. 702,000 abortions so far in the United States this year. 33,000 of them being after 16 weeks. So barbaric, yes, but there's also children in this country that are being murdered every single day in the womb. And we should be just as pissed and we should be just as upset and just as grossed out as that. You know why we're not? It's because we don't see pictures of it like they're showing right now. That's the point that they're doing by showing you these images of what's coming out of this attack. And on both sides, by the way. Right. You're seeing the images of kids being killed uh, in Gaza. You're seeing the images of the kids that were slaughtered by Hamas. Either way, it's gruesome, but we don't see that during the abortion, right? They don't show it to you. We don't see it on the six o'clock news. There isn't vid live stream videos. No one's live streaming their abortion to show you what it looks like. But if you could see it, you'd understand it's just as barbaric what they're doing. And also, too, by the way, you have had kids being murdered in this country all over the place. Chicago last year, 54 children were murdered. All right. And Chicago has got the strictest gun laws in the country. Fifty four kids last year murdered. Are, are we just as upset about the kids getting killed in our own country? Isn't that gruesome? Isn't that disgusting? What about the American kids that are dying in these Democrat cities? Oh, well, that's just uh, that's just we're going to live with that. We accept that. That's just oh, it's just a statistic. It's just not too bad. Oh, the numbers went up two percent from last year. That's that's a good. That's a win. Now you're seeing on the left, who the, the left reveals themselves for who they are. Their actions have revealed to us who they are, but we've always known that. But who are they revealing themselves to? The other people on the left who had no idea they were amongst the anti-Semites. They were, had no idea they were against these racist pieces of shit that are buried in their party. And who are they? Well, you know about Rashida Tlaib, right? There's no doubt about that. The first Palestinian um, congresswoman. Now, here's a, I'll put this video up here. This is her a couple of years ago. And, and look at her tears here. Look at her crying. You know what she's sad about here? She's sad about the way the children are being treated at the border. 
This is why the tears are. See how, how upset she is? Oh, she's so concerned, right? Hasn't been back to the border now since Biden's been. This is obviously during Trump's administration, right? Hasn't been back to the border while Biden's president. Doesn't seem to care less about the children right now that are being separated and spread out all over the country with, to God knows where, with God knows whom. She's not, not hasn't, hasn't shed a tear yet since Biden got into office. Did everything get solved at the border? Or all the kids home with their parents snuggled in their bed? No. But where is the tears now? And trying to get a quote or a comment from Rashida Tlaib about the children being beheaded by Hamas. And where is the tears? Look, here, here she is here. Oh, walks by. No comment. No tears in her eyes. It's obviously not affecting her. So is she just putting on a strong face or was she full of shit while she was showing you the tears? And the answer is what you know it is, is that she's putting on the act and the show while Trump was the president. Oh, my God, my heart goes out to these children. It was an act and a lie, just like AOC with her nonsense crying by the border. Another one ain't been there since. So it's all politics. They play politics with everything. You don't get any real emotions out of these people. Now, uh, of, of course, she is a, she's got the Palestine flag and the LGBTQ flag hanging outside of her office, which is as about as big as oxymoron as you can get, right? Because if you carried the one flag inside the other flag's country, you would be decapitated yourself. You would be thrown off a building. But she's got the two flags there together. She's making her own little thing. Oh, a little piece. I, I'm making my own little world here, which is where she lives in her own little world. So here are the other ones, too. You had eight Democrats, at least here. Let me put them on the board, uh, who sided with the uh, the Hamas people that were, that did not speak out against the atrocity that took place against Israel. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez, you know, Omar, Presley, Tlaib, Bowman, who just pulled the fire alarm and hasn't paid any price, any repercussions. The guy should at least have been locked up for what he did, but there's no charges because, you know, just like you said, I guess he's above the law, right? He tells you nobody's above the law. Well, there's a guy right there. So whenever he tells you that again, say, wait a minute, you, you were above the law, Bowman. You didn't have to pay a penalty for what you did, pulling a fire alarm, delaying a, a federal process, a congressional hearing. Bush, Cesar, and Lee. So there they are. Those are the ones that decided that uh, they were too cool for school uh, to stand up and say that what happened from Hamas was barbaric. Now, who else on the left here? Let's take a look. Black Lives Matter. How many people donated to Black Lives Matter? How many people, right? Many, many people donated to the Black Lives Matter. So what do they do? Uh, not, mind you, the NFL, Major League Baseball, everyone was all in on Black Lives Matter. Well, let's take a look at their post. Here it is. That is all that it is. I stand with Palestine. Now, stand with Palestine is one thing. The image, for those of you who are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, the image they have is of a shadow of a guy coming in on a parachute with a Palestinian flag tucked into the top, like a little rainbow umbrella in your drink. The, the, the symbolism of this is standing with Hamas, who came in on parachutes, paraglided into the concert in Israel, and slaughtered all the innocent concert goers. Here's Black Lives Matter siding with them. Now, they, they deleted this tweet now. It was up all day yesterday, uh, the day before. They, they had it up all day and stood by it. Then they deleted it and made a half-ass, not even an apology, trying to say, oh, well, you know, we, we really, we stand for, still standing for uh, Palestine. 
Here is David Wiseman, who is a proud Democrat, who didn't realize this. And he, here's his tweet. Who put this up? End Wokeness, the, the account at End Wokeness put this up. Uh, this is a throwback to him from 2021. He says, I will never stop saying Black Lives Matter. And I may even get a T-shirt. Then, to yesterday, he puts, fuck them. Maybe the right was right about Black Lives Matter. Whoa, looks like Black Lives Matter starting to red pill a few people. And now you're starting to look around and say, how could I side with Black Lives Matter when they're supporting Hamas? Not just supporting Palestine, supporting Hamas, who came in and barbarically butchered these people in Israel. Right? Black Lives Matter. Is the NFL going to offer an apology? Because I know when my son plays John Madden football or Madden NFL, they have the Black Lives Matter proudly displayed in the back of the end zone in every single game that he plays. Who else? Who else came out in support? Oh, wow, look at this. The Democratic Socialists of America. Here's their tweet. The Democratic Socialists of America is steadfast in expressing our solidarity with Palestine. Today's events are a direct result of Israel's apartheid regime, a regime that receives billions in funding from the United States and the violence and the occupation. So they, they are completely saying that it was Israel's fault that their, that their innocent people were butchered by Hamas. These are the Democrats, mind you. Now, even Rob Reiner, right? Here's Rob Reiner. I'll put his tweet up on the board. As a Jew, I don't care if you're pro-Palestinian or pro-Israeli. Hamas is the epitome of evil. And anyone who condones their barbarism is evil. Full stop. Well, I put right underneath there, breaking. Rob Reiner calls Black Lives Matter evil because you're saying anybody who condones it is evil. But Black Lives Matter condoned it. They proudly displayed the parachuting, paragliding Hamas guy coming in on their, on their Twitter page. Who else was shocked by all this? Well, Jake Tapper on CNN. He's, he's another guy getting a little bit of a like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Take a listen to Jake Tapper. There, there does seem to be, look, we've, we've spent a lot of time in the, during the Trump years looking at anti-Semitism on the right. This does, these last few days have been a real uh, eye-opening period for a lot of people, a lot of Democrats, a lot of progressives in terms of anti-Semitism on the left. A lot of people who seem more shocked at dehumanizing language uh, used by world leaders to describe Hamas than what Hamas actually perpetrated on Saturday. Uh, a little bit surprised there, right? Here was that other guy that I had before, David Weissman, another tweet from him yesterday. I get it. Some on the far left don't want to condemn Hamas, who hides behind human shields or support in Israel's right to defend itself, right? These people are waking up. Now, wait a minute. What's going on here? Because for years, they told you that Trump was what? Trump was a Nazi. Trump is Hitler. They, Trump is Hitler, right? Trump is a Nazi. They, they said it to you over and over again. Here, here's that Black Lives Matter. Here's that same account telling you it. Look here. Here's the same account. I'll put it up on the board so you guys can see it here. This is from the Black Lives Matter Chicago, the exact same Twitter page. But this is from 2019. But all the Nazi and white supremacist accounts are still up and running, including the orange clown president. Okay, talking about Trump. He is a Nazi. That's all we've ever heard. So what is interesting here is that the people on the left, all the, the only people on the, in Congress that didn't denounce Hamas are on the left. They're Democrats, right? Everybody on the right, there hasn't been one that hasn't denounced Hamas. So what is this telling us? 
the people on the left, Black Lives Matter and the whole uh, Rashida Tlaib, they are all for Hamas. Trump, who they told you was a Nazi, is pro-Israel, right? He's the guy that moved the embassy to Jerusalem. He, he, you couldn't be more pro-Israel than Donald Trump, right? He stands and supports the Jewish people. Now, if Hitler, who they told you Trump is, was alive today and you put him in a little room and everybody called and said, hey, come on, come this way. Which way do you think he's going? He's going directly to Black Lives Matter, directly to Hamas, because he wants to exterminate all the Jews, just like Hamas does. So the people that are telling you Trump is Hitler side with Hitler. Do you get what's going on here? Do you see how much nonsense you've been been fed for the last? So many people, I think, are waking up from this. And I think it's a good moment for so many people on the left to look around and say, who the hell am I surrounded by here? Who are these people that I'm surrounded with? Look at them applauding what's happening in Israel. They told you for years that all Trump supporters were Nazis. And now they're on the same side as actual Nazi people. This is exactly what the Nazis did, is what Hamas is doing. And you're standing with them. So you may as well just have the swastika now, right? Instead Instead of the Palestine flag, you may as well have the swastika because that's what's going on. This is Hamas. Now, again, we get into this whole thing. This has been a war that's going on since uh, the state of Israel came into being. The war between uh, Jews and Arabs has been going on for millennia. It's been going on for thousands of years. Uh, these are wars that are barbaric. Now, we, we're seeing these images. They, they pull your emotions. And right away, this is why you have to try to have a level head and try to just disconnect yourself from the reality of what it is that you're being shown and not get emotionally wrapped into it because that's what drives people to do crazy things. This is sickening. Anytime you're seeing a child, whether it's a Palestinian child or whether it's an Israeli child, it is sickening to see. Now, we didn't have these type of images. We didn't have this type of stuff, though, if we could have seen what was going on with Israel and with Jews and Arabs 2,000 years ago when they were having sword fights and leaving bloodbaths in the streets. We didn't have video. This is the first time we have it with everyone's got live streaming capabilities to see this stuff. And so that's why... We are seeing it now. It's drawing emotions out of it. I do not want to see the Americans being dragged into this war. Support Israel, yes. I do not want to see any boots on the ground from American troops. That is not what I want to see. Now, which which boots of, of Americans do I want to see on the ground? And I talked about this with Sean Parnell uh, yesterday, and I agree with him. We do need to have our special forces rescue the American hostages. Now, how many American hostages are there? We are not quite sure, at least 20 or more. So I'll put this clip up here on the board. And this is from Joe Peggs, good guy, had him on the show a while back. Uh, U.S. elite Delta Force and SEAL Team 6 deploy, put on standby in a European country near Israel. U.S. hostage negotiators are already in Israel, working alongside their Israeli counterparts. The Pentagon confirmed 20 Americans are missing. So right now, somewhere in this world, in a room, are members of SEAL Team 6. 
They are plotting their infill and exfill on how to get in and how to get out and hopefully leave a trail of Hamas bodies behind them as they rescue American hostages. This is the headline that I'm praying to see. U.S. Navy SEALs rescue American hostages. These guys are the best of the best. Also, Delta as well. Matter of fact, I had the absolute honor of sitting down having dinner with Delta Force Medal of Honor recipient uh, Thomas Patrick Payne. Here's a picture of us together. We were out in Texas at an event. When they were dedicating the Medal of Honor Museum, Uh, he was the guy who rescued hostages in Iraq. Also, I had the pleasure, the honor of doing an interview with uh, Navy SEAL Ed Byers, who got the Medal of Honor for rescuing uh, Dilip Joseph from the Taliban in Afghanistan. And, you know, also I had an opportunity to interview two guys who were rescued by SEAL Team 6, which is Dillip Joseph, who was rescued by Ed Byers and his SEAL Team 6 team, and also Captain Phillips. Now, you remember Captain Phillips rescued by the Somali pirates. So these guys have had the experience of thinking their life was over. They were in the hands of terrorists. And uh, Dillip Joseph was a father at the time, Captain Phillips, a father at the time. So I had them on the show to talk about their experience, especially Dillip Joseph, who was with the Taliban, didn't think there was a way he was going to make it out of here. Now, I would only imagine the Americans right now that are captured by these Hamas bastards are thinking their number is up. So I want to share a quick clip here. From my interview with Dilip Joseph, he was captured by the Taliban, rescued by SEAL Team 6. Here he is talking about, um, there, was a, there was a member of SEAL Team 6, Nick Check, who was killed in the, in the rescue, the hostage rescue attempt. Here he is talking about that on First Class Fatherhood. At that time when I was captured, I believe I was 39. We only had four children at that time, and my fourth was only like eight or nine months old. And uh, I remember having... Uh, such a difficult time with coming to grips with the idea of not being able to impact uh, a child, um, you know, that age. I mean, it, it, it catches me even now when I think about it. Um, I, I kept thinking about all of them, but certainly my fourth child, who was a baby, still an infant at that time. But I really um, grappled with that idea and uh, struggled as as much as I can, you know, knowing very well that situation that I was in was very dire. There was no um, no reason to hope that I was going to kind of make it out of that alive. Mentioning too, obviously, American hero uh, Nicholas Check, who was killed in the operation to, uh, in the rescue attempt. Have you ever had the chance to uh, to meet Nick's family or speak to his family, or were you present at uh, Ed Byers uh, Medal of Honor uh, ceremony? No, you know. Um, uh, Nick's um, memorial service in Afghanistan, uh, uh, I would say what they call a ram ceremony. I actually had the utmost pleasure of attending that. But the memorial service, one of my colleagues, along with a friend, actually went for that. And it took almost a year and a half, uh, not for the lack of trying, for me to connect with Nick's mom. Um, she had gone through a terrible, terrible time, which she apologized for. And I said, you know, ma'am, you have no reason to apologize, although it's taken a while for us to connect with each other. Since then, I actually haven't connected, although um, we have a common friend uh, that that let us uh, let each other know how, how each of us are doing. Um, I think one of the reasons why it took so long is because Nick's um, a dad who brought them up along with his two siblings. His stepdad passed away six months after Nick passed away. And then six months after that, 
Nick's mom lost her um, uh, home, and she had just gone through one thing after another. It's, another, it's just it's just been a it had at that time been a very very difficult time for her to go through. So it took a took a while for us to connect, and we we just had a really um, you know amicable conversation as difficult as it was you know how do you talk to someone who kind of laid their life you know the mother of someone who just laid their life so that you can continue to live it's just a it's hard to think about it even now you know seven and a half years later but in some ways uh, i suppose the consolation in my mind is these guys are just as as you already know Alec, these guys are just incredible in what they do and the commitment that they show not only to their unit, uh, to themselves and, and the code of ethics that they follow and the unit and the, the military and our nation um, is exemplary. It's just it's just beyond reproach. Um, uh, so in some ways, even as they sign up for something like this, it is with the understanding that, you know, I could lose my life for this. And, and in some ways, I, I think even in what I do, there, there's a much lower scale of that sort of thinking. You know, you, you have to have that sort of commitment in what you do and, and um, what you're signing up to. And, um, man, I have nothing but uh, amazing respect for our military in general. But then I think I think the, the special op teams kind of take it to the next level lucky to be alive and grateful to be alive, had more children after he was rescued. And uh, so it's a blessing that the Navy SEALs gave Dillip Joseph back his life. Another guy was Captain Phillips, who it was a blast to talk to. He was, uh, he was no pun intended there with the SEALs that came in to save him, but uh, he is portrayed beautifully in the movie by Tom Hanks. That's You nailed him. Uh, Captain Phillips talked about his rescue, and uh, getting a chance to talk to his wife afterwards. Here's my interview with Captain Phillips on First Class Fatherhood. At, at what point after the rescue did you finally get a chance to talk to your wife and kids, and, and what was that like for you? What was that moment like? Oh, it was, uh, to be honest, uh, I didn't need to talk to my wife. I'm used to not talking to my wife for weeks, months at a time. We used to do letters to when, when I first started sailing, you know. We wouldn't talk for months at a time. So I did get to talk to her. Uh, they, they hooked her up uh, when I was on the boxer uh, that, that first night when I was rescued. I talked to her. I talked to Obama. Uh, Obama, President Obama, did call her also, and and the wife, my wife, in her indomitable way. Uh, uh, when he called, he said, "Well, I just talked to your husband, and he's fine." She said, uh, "President Obama, you mean I'm the second call?" Uh, <laughs> so uh, it was nice talking to her, but really, I just said, "I'm fine. I'll be home, uh, and I'm fine." For for me, it was really over uh it it was like a curtain very dramatic uh you know uh when i got out of that lifeboat uh but basically the seal picked me up and threw me in the rib boat uh you know and and they got me away away from there so for me it was it was over for me i was just trying to uh get get, get familiar get, get back realize i'm out of that situation yeah, I would imagine it must be tough to kind of process all that immediately after it all went down. All right, so just wanted to give a little taste there. I pray to God 
for all of our special. This is what they do. I mean, so this is this is their this is their field of expertise. These teams, Delta, especially the Navy SEAL Team Six operate Devgru. They were built for hostage rescue. This is exactly what they do. If you're trapped somewhere, these are the guys they want coming you that you want coming for you. They're not picked because of their um, their gender. They're not picked because of their demographics or how they look or what their religion is or anything else. They are picked and selected to be on that team because they are the best of the best. That's why they're there and the only reason why they're there. And those are the guys you want coming for you. So Godspeed and God bless our special operation forces that are over there right now that are going to hopefully get our American citizens out. But other than that, uh, that, that is obviously the only support that I would have for boots on the ground anywhere near what's going on over there. Support, yes. Uh, we, are, we are an ally of Israel. They have our support. But I do not want to see uh, our troops over there involved in this firefight. So God bless our Navy SEALs that will be over there, uh, hopefully bringing back American hostages. Now, the last story I want to hit you guys with here, the Speaker of the House, obviously we have no Speaker of the House at the moment. Kevin McCarthy was ousted, first time that's ever happened in history. And right now we are trying to pick a second uh, Speaker of the House now in this same year. Now, what sucks about the Republican Party is how they did this, right? They, they had to do this behind closed doors. Like, what is going on here? Now, the, the, the Trump-backed candidate is Jim Jordan. So Jim Jordan goes against Steve Scalise. So they can't just do this open on the floor, let us hear the debates, let us hear the votes, see who's voting, you know, and hear their arguments, nothing. They do it behind closed doors, very sneakily. And they come out of the closed doors, and the votes are 113 to 99, Steve Scalise wins. Now, many people are calling Steve Scalise Kevin McCarthy 2.0. But Matt Gates, the guy who led the charge against McCarthy, is putting his uh, vote behind Steve Scalise, saying that he's better than having McCarthy. So now it's going to come down to putting this vote on the House floor. Um, next week, I'm going to hopefully, I, I, I will have a, a, at least one member of Congress, a uh, Republican member of Congress on the podcast here, scheduled to have it today. Didn't get a chance to make that happen because of all this going on. Hopefully they get this done and out of the way. But right now there are eight Republicans who are holding out and saying they are going to vote for Jim Jordan, despite the fact that Scalise won. They are Max Miller, Thomas Massey, Anna Paulina Luna, Michael Cloud, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Barry Moore, Nancy Mace, and Lauren Boebert. Actually, got to make a disclaimer here. Anna Paulina Luna yesterday put up this tweet I'll put on the board. Just left a personal meeting with Steve Scalise. I am confident he is going to allow me to aggressively pursue the below items which were my conditions, which were the conditions for my vote. She'll be casting alongside Gates and Jordan for Scalise. So she said um, she had a few things that she wanted to do, and now Scalise uh, agreed to that, so now she's going to vote. So you have seven right now. And a lot of people are saying these these seven or these eight holdouts are holding America hostage or holding uh, America back and all this. And I, I disagree. I, I honestly think that if it's not the guy that you want to vote for, you should be convinced to vote otherwise. You should be convinced into it. I think it's like you look at the 12 Angry Men, right? If you ever seen the movie with Henry Fonda, 12 Angry Men. One guy holds out because his belief is, wait a second here, let, let me convince me that this is the right way to go. And he they weren't able to convince him. He was able to convince the other 11, and they completely changed their mind. That's what we need. We need that kind of open dialogue and communication in there. Uh, 
If you're not happy with it, be convinced the other way. Don't just go along with the flow. I don't believe in the peer pressure. Everybody is voting for it, so you got to vote for it. No, that's not why you were elected to be there. You're supposed to represent the people. Represent the people. If, if the people in your district don't want this guy in there, you should have to have a strong comeback to go to them and say, hey, listen, here's why. Here's why I did what I did. Otherwise, you're written voted out. But we do need to get a Speaker of the House, and I, I think that uh, it, it will happen. And I, I just pray to God that they will stand together and stop funding the war in Ukraine. Don't start funding another war, the one in Israel here, and let's close the border, right? Stop funding Ukraine and let's close the border. Can we get those two things done? Look at all the war that's broken out in this world since Joe Biden went into office. Can't we just get Trump back in there? Like, why do we got to wait a whole nother year? Things are going to get even crazier between now and 2024. I said this a couple months ago on the podcast. Things are going to get crazier. And look at what's happening now. We're going to just see it worse and worse. It's like they're going to do whatever they can possible to not allow Trump to get back into the White House. All right, so those are the stories that I wanted to hit you guys here. I told you I'd be quick. I'd be in and out on you guys today. Follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Alec Lace, for the upcoming guest announcements. Got one locked in, working on several others, trying to get the best guest possible for you guys. If you missed out on Tuesday's episode with Sean Parnell and Senator Rand Paul, flip it back and check them out. Also, I had so many great guests on the podcast here, Congressman Bob Good, Congresswoman Anna, uh, Anna Paulina Luna, uh, Judge Jeanine Pirro, Senator Marsha Blackburn, so many amazing guests. I owe it all to you. Please get down there, hit the follow button, share this broadcast with as many people in your contact list as you can. And I will be back here next week on Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And until then, I hope you guys have a great weekend. God bless all you listeners and you parents out there. Uh, God bless our troops and first responders. God bless America. And I will catch you guys next week.